and welcome back to another episode of Lost Down. It is a David and Wally special today for Super Bowl 57. Recap, the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions yet again, David. And I know you and I are not exactly thrilled to talk about that, but how are you doing, buddy? I'm ready for draft season, Wally. I This is my Super Bowl since the Browns suck and will never make one. So I'm I'm ready to get past this whole Chiefs Super Bowl, you know, third time in five years and and second win and whatnot. It's just insane to think now that we are six years, but five real years into the Patrick Mahomes era. And last night was the first time he's worn white in a playoff game because he doesn't play road playoff games because the Chiefs are that good in the regular season year in and year out. So it's something that I think we have to unfortunately continue to get used to. What do you say? You want to just jump right into the game or do you want to ease into it a little bit? Maybe talk a little bit about like commercials, talk about a little bit of the, that side of it first. How do you want to go about this? Let's talk about the the non-game stuff first. I feel like that's a, I a like good that. way to get the blood flowing. Then let's do that. So first of all, let's start with what everybody who's not a football fan that watches this game is watching for and that is the commercials and you and i and i know steven's on the same side too as you guys can tell he's in aruba hate his guts but anyways he this has gotten to the point where if i was watching the super bowl for the commercials i think it's time to say hey i've got other plans on the second sunday of february i'm i'm with you the the commercials used to kind of make me and and you know maybe it's it's a child immaturity, but the commercials used to make me actually like, you know, smile and laugh. Like not all of them, but there'd be at least five, six, seven commercials that would actually make you laugh, uh, and were actually great commercials. And I feel like there were only two this year that got like a chuckle out of me, like just like a smirk or something. It is definitely to your point. It's definitely falling off. And and. Maybe to that point, maybe the whole creativity thing, there's not a whole lot to to create for the same products over and over again, but I don't know. It's just falling off hard. Well, okay. So you know how we start the show typically with a question now or something to get the juices flowing, get your mind going. I, this is kind of just coming to me, but what would you say, putting you on the spot, give me one or two, is your favorite or right up there is your favorite Super Bowl commercials ever? Because I feel like they all happened in that stretch up until about 2010, and now we're not allowed to be funny anymore. Oh, God, dude. Uh, the first one that comes to my mind, I can't. I, I'm not going to be able to remember it fully, but that Tide, the Tide Super Bowl commercial from like, what feels like 15 years ago, it was probably like six, six or seven years ago. Oh my God. I'm not going to be able to, is the one with David Harbor. I don't remember if it's that one. Wait, are you talking about the, it's a tie dad. Like yeah, it's a, that was actually so. somewhat recently too. That was the guy from stranger things, right? That's the first thing that came to my mind. I don't know. Tide has had some Tide and Doritos have had some all timers. It like between 2010 and like 2018. They had some like all time commercials, but like, I don't think I'm remembering. I don't think I'm going to be able to pull those off the top of my head. No, that that's easy. fine. You know, I'm going to help you out because I'm going to give you a couple of mine real quick. 
and then that'll give you time to think about it on the fly because two that I think jump out to me right away. First of all, back in the day, the beer commercials were impossible to miss. They were it wasn't even just Budweiser. It was Bud Light. It was Miller Light. You had Heineken in the mix. They always were hilarious. Another one, because of the personal family ties, I love the FedEx one back in the day where there's a caveman and he's shipping a package tied to a pterodactyl's leg and a T-Rex eats it out of the sky and this other caveman comes in. Well, did you ship it with FedEx? Uh, no, it's not been invented yet. Not my problem. You're fired. And then he goes out, kicks a little dinosaur that stepped on one. They're, they're like, things like that were great. But then the other one that comes out to me, these girls, you can tell it's a Super Bowl party. Bunch of women, bunch of men are together. But the, you know how they separate at the start of parties. Guys are going to be with the guys. Girls are with the girls. The girls go and they look into this girl's new shoe closet. And all the girls are screaming, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is amazing. Picking up shoes. Look at this. Look at this. There's another shelf. And then all of a sudden, their screams of excitement are completely cut out by guys' screams and excitement because they have a walk-in fridge, and it's just Heinekens all over, like a shoe closet, and all the guys are like, oh, my God, oh, my God, crying. They, that, that is the era I miss. But now, again, I, I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, my God, woke, cancel culture. But – we're not allowed to be funny, and it's quite evident when you look, look at the commercials. Everything has to be, I've got a cause. Look at me. We're good people. That's all it is. Support us because we care about you. Buddy, time out. The look at me shit. The NFL is like, they they use the Super Bowl to go anti-cancel culture and like, please don't cancel us. We're, we're all about women. We're all about safety. We're all about blah, 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 blah. It's like, fucking stop like just stop you guys are not like you're not who you want to be just stop like you're not gonna you're not changing perception with a commercial i i it makes me want to scream but no i you're i wish i came more prepared with historic commercials but i'm gonna give you just the one i just put you on the spot too so it's fine because i should have come more prepared knowing that that was going to be a question that come came up like i'm thinking like i can see images in my head of commercials and I know what brands they are, but I couldn't lay out the whole commercial for you. I just remember vividly which ones uh, like were the best for me. But um, so this year, right, I had I had like five that were 10 out of 10 good commercials. And two of them were just straight sentimental value. And it was Farmer's Dog was that 10 killed 10. me. Yeah, that was a sentimental, like, that was just a 10 out of 10. That was a good heartfelt commercial. The Disney 100, I thought, was a 10 out of 10 sentimental, like, here's a history of your fucking childhood. And it was very uh, safe. It was, like, smart yeah. knowing what's going on. It was very safe, but like you said, it played on your emotions. Yeah, 100%. And then I had three that I thought, like, that actually got, like, the three I was talking about that kind of got, like, a smile out of me or, like, a chuckle. It was the Uber one with P. Diddy. That commercial, the um, Bush Light commercial, and the Skechers with Snoop Dogg on a like the low budget looking Skechers commercial with Snoop Dogg. I just like low budget excellence, easy, easy, easy laugh out of that one. Well, did you like the electric slide one with the CGI animals dancing around? Because I maybe I'm a loser, but I was getting a little giggle out of that. No, I thought like that one weirded me out. So did like the Jeep with the the dancing 
boogie woogie goat fucking weirded me out that maybe that's like the that. same one we're talking about yeah, it, it might be the same one like the jeep with the goat that was dancing i was like what the fuck is somebody spent seven and a half million dollars on a commercial space and apparently they were targeting me <laughs> but like i just like i was sitting there i was like what the fuck is that the heineken alcohol free beer commercial was horrific that was terrible that was just like i said this last night what? david i want your opinion because you're uh an alcohol drinker like myself you drink beer too but you're more of a a nice beer as people at home can see i've got yingling right here gotta represent east side but okay so if you are trying to target or not even target the idea of non-alcoholic beer to me who on earth likes the taste of beer so much that they said, you know what, I I can't get myself shit-faced on a Tuesday afternoon, but I really just need the taste of Heineken in me. Like, who is this, who is non-alcoholic beer directed to? I, I don't know, because that's why, it, that's one part of why it weirded me. The commercial was weird in general, but like, the concept of alcohol-free beer tasting the exact same as the beer like i don't understand it either I, like it doesn't it makes zero sense to me maybe like do you use it for cooking you know like i don't yeah like i don't understand fry up like kobasi or something like, yeah, boil like it, I, don't, I don't know i don't get it so i'm with you it makes no sense i don't know who that's targeted to maybe they're just betting maybe they're doing it because they think that they're just so superiorly above the rest of beer and taste that they're like, oh, you know, here, here's our, here's us proving it, right? But neither here nor there. That was that was a bad one. The only I had a couple. I had two that were like noteworthy, and the one is the Animal Control TV show. Their commercial, where it just ends with uh, what's his face holding a cougar, saying, "Cougars are in your area. Want to meet you?" The ads are true. Right, like that, that, that got like a smile out of me. That was a good one. You know, I think that Light... might have been the commercial break I I missed. Was that during the Tubi era? Right around that one? Yeah, probably. I missed the Tubi. Um, Everybody flipped out about the Tubi. What was your it reaction? Was it was. I, it, it freaked me Did out. You, get, you got nervous. A, okay, good. I was watching on a streaming service, so I'm like, "What's happening? What's going on? Where, where am I at?" <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, look, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what's happening? The remote's not even around me. Yeah, like I that got me good, but uh, no, the other note one where the one I have, and then I promise I'll shut up, is uh, the Bud Light Miles Teller dancing like to the hold music that got me like that got a good smirk out of me. That was like a good, lighthearted, funny commercial. I think that they blew it by bringing in Miles Teller for it though, because that's a commercial you could have used just two people and had yeah. the same thing. Because if you're bringing Miles Teller in, I expect something more than just stand around dancing to hold music. It felt like just, I guess, misallocated funds want to get in that direction. Opposed, like, it was all right. I would have given, that's like a B commercial to me. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's a noteworthy commercial. It's nothing that's going to blow your socks off. But I was like, that's good lighthearted fun. Like that's, that's okay. Talking about like the history of like these amazing commercials and you and I are obviously on the same page where I want it to be a little edgy. I want it to be fun. I want somebody to push the envelope. But there's ways to do that where you can still be inclusive because that's like the way everybody's worried about nowadays. One of my favorites, and I guess this is probably not, I think it was a beer commercial, but I think it was Bud Light. There was a commercial about a decade or so ago where these two deaf guys are driving to find their friend's house for the Super Bowl. 
and they get to the street and they're like, oh God, dude, I don't, I don't think I have the address to you. No, I don't. And then they're both like doing the sign language to each other. And all of a sudden the one guy's like, dude, give me a second. I got an idea. And he lays on the horn and he crawls forward at like two miles an hour as all the lights in the neighborhood are going on in the houses. And then when he has one that doesn't have the lights on, he's like, oh, that's Dave's house. And then like they go up there like there's so many fun ways to make a commercial exciting or unique without it having like don't you don't have to worry about if you're trying to get yourself canceled as a company. There's ways to do it and still be funny. I'm just tired of the I don't even know where to begin. Like some of the commercials you'd watch and you're like, who who is going to buy this because of what you're doing? I don't know, but I'll get off my soapbox, too. Well, well, we have to talk about one more commercial before we stop and this is oh where please get, do this is where to get spicy right so the pat tillman army ad let's let's talk about a, like for a hot minute about how like propaganda ish that was because for all you listening who don't know the pat tillman story which i assume is probably nobody because if you're listening to this podcast you probably know a lot about Pat Tillman because you're a massive football fan. He joined the army, not because he wanted to fight for his country, but because he believed the war was wrong and he wanted to represent his country. It wasn't because he was just so gung-ho for the army, right? He believed the war was wrong and he wa- he didn't believe that the U.S. should be in it, but he felt an obligation to fight for his country because we were in it. And the U.S. Army used him as a recruiting tool. And oh, by the way, the guy was shot by friendly fire yes. in the Army. It's just so I, I like I can't even keep a straight thought on it because it's so disingenuous from the real. It's pet slimy. Story. It's slimy. It is. It's so slimy. And I, I just can't fathom as to who thought that was a good idea. Like, did they think we were so far past Pat Tillman that nobody would remember the real reasons like the real pat tillman stories i i just don't i I mean like i wrote a book report on this guy in in like seventh sixth or seventh grade like i this story is one that's close i just like i to your it's just slimy to your point it's just slimy i don't know how else to say anything about it what it kind of almost like gave you an idea of his last night i'm sure you saw it too and i love chris berman i think chris berman is has a good heart i don't think that he means ill or like ill intent but it was like he had a similar thing where it was it was a little tasteless and he says hey this is the first time that there had ever been two black quarterbacks in the super bowl coincidentally it's also abraham lincoln's birthday where it's like dude like read the room like you don't have to try to tie everything together i don't think again it was malicious but it's like you have to be a little more self-aware. And whatever the idea of pushing that, I guess their thought is, hey, it's in Arizona. He was a cardinal. Let's make this about Pat Tillman. But it, it wasn't. And I don't think he would have appreciated being used the way that they did. I'm not a part of the family, so I don't know. But like you, David, it, it just felt a little – it felt weird. I didn't like it. It's slimy, t- a little tasteless. I didn't like it. But let's transition into a little bit happier part of this before we get into the actual breakdown of Super Bowl 57. And I warned you earlier, David, 
I had a take that I know I am very much in the minority for, and I have to preface this with an explanation. I am at my buddy's house. I am at my buddy's house, who is a hardcore country music fan. Everybody around are also country music people, so naturally they're very biased in like their particular song beliefs. I didn't like the halftime show nearly as much as everybody else did. I didn't think it was that great. God, it's like not the worst take in the world, but that's a spicy take. So, and here's here's why it's not the worst. I thought from a performance standpoint that that was one of the most average Super Bowls we've had in probably two decades, like just from a straight performance. Like Rihanna didn't do a whole lot of dancing. Granted, she was pregnant. Yeah, so, absolutely, absolutely. So like, so like I, I, I'm not saying, oh, she had to do it, right? But like, I'm just saying from a general like artist performance standpoint, like I'm not big on the backup dancers doing all these fucking routines. I couldn't care less. Just felt like an average performance. From a sound quality, though, that was one of the best Super Bowls or Super Bowl halftime shows in my lifetime. She sounded exactly the way you she sounds when you throw on your ipod and you listen to her sound quality wise top notch so for like that aspect i think i thought it was fantastic i also listened to her music like i listened to that genre of music as well so like for me it just hit you know the right spot but i totally understand if you don't if you're if you're a big country music fan if you're around those people at a party if you're expecting like shakira performance like I get get why that was disappointing. No, I I need to be clear. I need to be clear because I'm a loser that does the, what music do you like? Oh, I listen to everything. I'm that person because I don't typically have, like I'm not the guy that's going to marry myself to a genre and only listen to that. But you know how it is when you're in an environment with people that are saying one thing, it starts to almost sour your initial thought maybe. And people are talking during the performance. The volume might not be where you want it to be. A lot of those things, I like my sister texted me right after, because I like Rihanna too. And you and I, we were freshmen in 2008 at Walsh. Disturbia blew up. It was during our football season. I remember driving home with Jack Meadows and a few of the uh, Anthony Melchiori, stuff like that. And we would have that song on. So like, I loved it. I wanted to like it. But maybe it was because of the environment I was in that I have to go back and watch it again on my own time and give it a fair review. Cause it was just, it didn't do it for me. Like it did for a lot of people. And I, I felt like very much in a minority on that. Did you see, by the way, the backup dancer almost fall off that massive level. Yeah. That so So you know what else I noticed too? Now that you bring that up, I did see that, but I, at the end, at the very end of her performance, maybe not the very end, but like the the tail end, like probably the last song during it, they zoom in on her on the top balcony or whatever you want to call it, platform. And you can see that thing wobbling like this. And I'm like, holy shit. Absolutely not what I'd be fucking on that thing. Like, I don't know how she's sitting still. Like, I don't know how she's like not. The whatever. one guy I noticed in our party, apparently she did have a cable connected and they like, in the dance, like really quickly undid it when they got down to like okay. make her release. But I was like, you dude, I'm like, she's pregnant. 
she's gonna not only kill herself, she's gonna kill her baby on accident. Yeah, I just like I saw that thing wobbling when they zoomed in, and I was like, oh my god, this was a stupid idea. No, I'm I'm completely with you. And here's my question: Let's say that guy did fall. What happened with Demar Hamlin a month and a half ago? Do they do they have to keep finishing the Super Bowl if the guy dies there during halftime? How does that end? I, yeah, I think you do. I don't even know what happens. Like right, like you can't postpone the Super Bowl. Those guys are absolutely going back out there and playing, like whether they want to or not. But I also think it might be a different effect on them because they're probably not watching it. And if they are, yeah, that's scary, but you don't really know what's going on. You're probably told to stay in the locker room. Different environment than, hey, this teammate or this player that we've been playing with is almost dead. I just witnessed it live. What do I do here, right? So it's still (laughs) terrifying either way, but like different weight on the team having – not seen it in person, I guess is what I'm trying to say. No, and make, being able to make fun of it now, it's because it never happened. But like, I'm imagining a guy falls and you have like a chalk outline of a guy at like the 38, and you have like Patrick Mahomes like scrambling right over it at one point. That's where the guy died. That right there. That was it. <laughs> Speaking of Patrick Mahomes scrambling, how about that turf at the Super Bowl that they grew for two fucking years? and spent a million dollars on and looks like I grew it in my backyard during a rainstorm. Oh, I'm so happy you brought that up because that was where I was going to want to go with this next two. And I feel bad because the guy that was in charge of the turf is apparently this 94-year-old guy whose nickname is the Sod Father, who's done every Super Bowl ever, which is crazy enough as it is. But it sounds like a lot of the belief at this point is that these roll-in field turfs for Las Vegas and Arizona, just simply because of the way they're actually moved in, that they're not able to establish roots long enough. You're a Wrexham till I die, or no, Sunderland till I die. Welcome to Wrexham fan. You got to see in that first season, they had to redo the pitch because very similarly in their first match, they were tearing it up and people were worried about getting hurt. It was the same thing where apparently the roots didn't get like established into the ground. And you saw like, I mean, God, Jake Elliott, it looked like he was getting ready to like, like ruin his ankle on a oh, kickoff. God, on, that kickoff? on that kickoff. How he didn't like limp. He looked fine. Yeah. I don't know how. I watch him uh, like that's flexibility at its finest. But like after they showed the replay of that, I was like, oh my God, like that's uh, like, I'm surprised he didn't fall. I, I, I don't, I don't know how he recovered from that, but. There are so many, I, I mean, like, I don't blame the guy who grew the turf. I just like, you know, do we really not see this shit coming? There's so many examples of this to your point, like at Wrexham, like, how do we not plan for this shit? You're, you're picking a Super Bowl stadium. Why don't you just pick one where it's worked before? Like, why don't you pick one where you know that this shit's going to take root because it's done it before? I, I just. They tried to sell us, dude. They told us that this was the greatest turf ever grown. Because it probably was, and then it just didn't take root to, your, to you know, your point. I, I just, like, how does that happen? Like, how do we not come prepared for that, right? If you're spending 800 grand on turf, maybe spend another, like, 100 grand on researching if, like, how we can get it to set appropriately. Like, I, you know, it, it's like, what are we, what are we doing? He grew that for two fucking years in Phoenix. I Like, we didn't have time in two years to figure out Hey, is the turf going to set appropriately on this Super Bowl stadium that we just fucking picked? Your question, 
a question for you anyways. You know how every commercial nowadays, like these 30-second slots, it costs like $5 million, something ridiculous. Do you know where that money goes by chance? No idea. Wait, because my only reason I ask is you said it. That was close to a million-dollar turf. That was $800,000, and they put two years into making it. It sounds like a ton of money. And so you realize that this is a billion, like billions dollar industry. If there's even a question about how this grass is, how are we not funneling? It could be, I don't care if it's $10 million. If you have someone like a Patrick Mahomes ruin their leg on the Super Bowl turf that you're bragging about, how much of an indictment is that on the league? So and credit to the Eagles. You and I were just texting right before we started recording. They have a video out there where there's a bunch of these Eagle players asked after the game, what did you think about the turf? And you're like, dude, it was terrible. But they played on it too. Like, mm-hmm. make no mistake about it. This is not a, we lost because of the turf. It's just more of a, our safety was almost overlooked. And that pisses people off. And it should piss people off. My here's the thing though. Can can we just ask a quick question? Why would we got to grow special turf for the Super Bowl? Yeah, well, again, but if Why you're in Arizona, play it on the fucking stadium field that we chose. That's actually a good point. Is this uh like I understand wanting to play on grass versus like artificial turf, but like if this is what grass is causing, I'd re- like I guarantee you, if you asked every one of those players that played in that game, would you have rather played on that or the turf below it? They would have said the artificial turf below it. So, like, I, so, I get, so wait, the Cardinals do it is turf that they play on. Week I don't know. Week. I'm just assuming that's why you roll out fate like specially grown grass, right? Like, I, I don't understand why you would do that at all. I just don't get it. Like, that's the weirdest thing because I know that the Raiders and Cardinals both have. They're the only two teams, as far as I know. Maybe SoFi is different, uh, or maybe a part of that group, and I might be wrong. But these new hyper expensive stadiums. They have this turf that they roll out because places like Vegas and places like Arizona, you don't have natural grass just growing around. So that's why it's like, to your point, if we can't make it safely, then I think the players would tell you, well, yeah, turf might be, or artificial turf might be dangerous, but it might not be as dangerous as this natural grass that you guys are proposing right now. Whatever is safer for me. And I mean, look what's happening right now in New York. New York is doing the other way where they're flipping from artificial, I think, to grass because it is. So I don't think anybody knows what's safer and everybody pretends to know. But it's as simple as this. You have to have a playing surface that's not going to the effect, the quality of football. And it felt like it was every play, maybe every other play. You could see people slipping, whether it's a lineman, receiver, defensive end, nothing. It was brutal to watch. 100%. I don't know. I'm not going to harp on it too much. I just have it. I have, I find it hard to believe that the Raiders and Cardinals can play eight or nine games every season on that turf. But That's it's a not good great enough. point. But it's not good enough. So we got to roll out some turf we've been growing for two years and roll it over that phenomenal point i just like i don't i don't understand like explain it to me i'm so happy you said it because i hadn't connected that dots and this is one of the fun things about doing this with your buddies on here is that you guys kind of almost like bridge it for me i've watched every raiders game forever 
it feels like. And I've never noticed a problem with the turf. Never was like, God, you know, it was a little rough today. Even if it was, it was something that I could forget because it wasn't that bad. Last night, it was one of those games where every now and then, uh, I think it was the World Cup, but there's every now and then there's a game like that where the turf is so bad where it becomes almost the calling card to remembering a game where, yeah, you can remember things like OBJ in last year's Super Bowl tearing his knee on the turf. That was brutal. You felt terrible for OBJ. But that was the only play of the game. I feel like it affected anybody. But anyways, this week's Super Bowl 57 recap will be brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, photography, fashion, and more. Especially if you are around our age where college graduations, engagements, weddings, baby pictures, you name it, feels like they are happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y. We're on our Instagram page at Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com, which leads us into the actual game, David. Kansas City wins Super Bowl 57, 38-35. <sighs> I don't even know where we should begin in this game, so I think the best way to start You've seen, have you seen the movie The Other Guys, by chance? Yeah. Of course, because it's a classic. The guy is, that is uh, one of the key pro- or antagonists in that movie, he starts trying to explain what has gone on. He's like, well, I think the best way to start this is actually to start at the end and then go back to the beginning. And then we're going to go back to the middle a little bit and come back. Just tell me what happened. All right, all right. I think the best way to tell a story is by starting at the end briefly, then going back to the beginning, and then periodically returning to the end, maybe giving different characters perspectives throughout, just to give it a bit of dynamism. Otherwise, it's just sort of a linear story. Just tell us what happened. Right, well, I lost a bunch of money from some people, and now they want it back. That's what we're going to do. We're going to start at the end, because that's what everybody's talking about today. The holding call on James Bradbury. Give me your initial thoughts, first of all. Wow, where to start? Here's the thing. That call was a travesty. Goodell in the NFL should be ashamed, especially, you know, four days coming out of Goodell saying the refs have never been better. And it's not that the call was 100% wrong. It's that the call was 100% wrong in that moment. If you're going to make a call in the Super Bowl in the final three minutes of a game, that call better be so fucking blatant that not even a somebody who doesn't understand the rules can debate it. If you're going to call a ticky-tack bullshit hold that, sure, he's got his hand on him, sure, you know, you call that in week one of the regular season, I'm not questioning it, but this is literally the biggest game of the year. It, the two teams are playing for the biggest award of the year. This is all the marbles, and you're going to make that fucking call there in that moment? Like, sure, the Chiefs might still win. They might kick a field goal a little bit sooner, and, you know, the Eagles might get a minute left and still not equalize, right? Like, it, it, the game might still have resulted the same way had that call not been made. But to make the call puts into question 
whether the Chiefs should have like were were handed a win or should have or deservedly won the game, right? And personally, there's a lot there. I don't think that that the call, like I think the call gifted the Chiefs a win per se, but the Eagles had every opportunity in the second half to win the game. Like I, I don't know how to say it in the way that I'm thinking, but that call gifted the Chiefs a win rather than giving the Eagles a chance to tie the game and push it to overtime or win the game themselves, right? It, it went from the, the Chiefs likely winning to the Chiefs were going to win. Right. That's exactly right. You took away the opportunity for the Eagles by making that call. And I, I just, it's, it's just, you know, it, it goes back to what we've been hammering for like a month now, which is the refs aren't perfect. We need to be able to look at calls and, and, Everything needs to be expedited. Like shit like that needs to be, that should be reviewed as closely as a score within two minutes. I'm glad you said that. Pause. Because if you, I I need your thought because I was wondering this too. Let's say you are a Kansas City Chiefs fan watching that game last night, right? And I agree with you. If that's week one and that's the second quarter and they call that, nobody ever talks about it. However, this is, two minutes left in the fourth quarter of the biggest game of the entire year for the sport. That is a big difference. But if you're a Chiefs fan and they throw that flag and 20 seconds later they pick it up, are we going to be fine with that? Because if we are, that's fine. But like you know that that's going to turn into a talking point in a story the other way as soon as they pick up one that might be a little closer to ticky-tack. It's situational, right? So like if I'm a Chiefs fan, and truthfully, if I'm a Chiefs fan, they pick that up. I'm like, and I, you know, 10 years ago, I probably would be like, what the, you know, what the fuck? Like, that's bullshit. But like, now I watch the game and I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, eh. But you're more that's rational. Probably, that's my point. Right. You're a rational I'm a, I'm fan. I'm a little bit more rational, right? So like, I'm kind of like, ah, that's kind of bullshit, but whatever. I'll get over it, right? In that situation, the Chiefs still have the ball. They can still kick a field goal. You're not losing. It's not like it was fourth down and you'd lose possession because they pick up the flag, right? That's that's kind of like in that specific situation, that's just a bad call. The ref shouldn't make it. And sure, you know, I could sit here and I could say, you know, I, I think that there should be the ability to challenge that call or at least review it from like main office, NFL, expedite that review somewhere. But at the end of the day, it's just a stupid fucking call to make. Agree. Well, like, and that's important it's a to say. Stupid call. Because I'm on your side that I definitely think that this should not have been flagged, but I also think that it's a dangerous thing opening Pandora's box. And let's say that we're reviewing things like this, where let's say you do overturn it, like you're going to have the people screaming foul again, that this is for gambling purposes. This is rigged for the league. You're going to have things like that, where there will be overturned calls late in games. And people are going to think it's because the NFL is trying to get Blah, blah, blah. Everybody has their, the NFL loves this team. They want this guy in. It's just going to open up so many more conspiracies that I think the NFL doesn't even want to entertain it. But fuck conspiracies. I'm here for just the right call. That's all I want. I just want to, and and again, it, the game shouldn't come down to a call. But like like you and I were pointing out, you took away a possession from the Eagles that could have made this the best Super Bowl of all time. Could have made this like, you know, you just you took away something on a bad call that you shouldn't have taken away. 
And what bothers me too is a couple really big notes that we haven't even touched on. I'll start with last year's because a lot of people were drawing parallels to the call on Logan Wilson last year. And what's criminal about both is it was basically the same point of the game. It's less than two minutes. It's third down and goal last year for the Rams. It's third down from like the 13, 14, whatever it was for the Chiefs. And it effectively changed the results. What bothers me is not only inconsistency in that game, but inconsistency in this game. For instance, last year, we saw T. Higgins on the opening play of the second half catch a 75-yard touchdown pass where he very clearly and obviously grabbed and threw Jalen Ramsey to the ground. Didn't call it. We also saw in this game, Juju Smith-Suster in the first half very clearly hooked on a third down in like six or seven, and there was no flag. It was much more egregious of a pass interference or holding anything than it was later in the game, and it happened in the second quarter of said game. What bothers me is the inconsistency, because if we're calling it tight throughout the game, then I'm fine calling it tight late. I'm fine if there is consistency. It's just that is not a thing in, in professional football. There is no consistency. Exactly, and I'm so happy you brought up the Bengals. So I'm going to go on a side rant here. Please uh, do. If I, see, if I see another goddamn Bengals fan complaining about the refs as if they live in Philadelphia and are Eagles fans just because they don't like the Chiefs, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. I'm going to lose my mind. Like, and you know, no, well, here's the thing. First of all, you know that I'm a closet. Like, I, I love the Bengals. I do with my family and all that. But I'm with you in the fact that I'm, I'm just so tired of pretending like the league wants a team in Missouri to win a championship. Like nobody if the league, if the league had 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 was well, able to be New York and LA every year. Right. It would be the the Rams would be in it every year. The, it would be year. it would you would alternate between the Rams and the Jets and the Giants and the Chargers just yeah. repeatedly over and over and over again. 100%. Dallas would make appearances. Like yeah, it's I not fixed. Like... It is not a fixed league. You lost. It was a shitty call. I agree. That sucks. Guess what? The tuck rule happened. Yeah, I screamed about it when I was like 10 years old. I grew up. It's, yeah. it, you, you do not, the league does not want your team to win or lose. The league wants to make money, and that's period. As long as there are good games, I get that, that that sounds a little convoluted where there might be making calls, but I don't believe that. Do you think that the ref is going to put not only his livelihood on the line, if they indict a ref, and say it's fixed in a Super Bowl, he's going to go to jail. Like, then nobody wants. That's the thing. It could happen, but it's not happening. Exactly. It happen, but it's not I, happening. I'm with David. Please. Like, I'm so happy you brought this up. I'm sorry. Bengal fans out, listen. Like, I just saw, like, right. the only thing, it got me fired up because, like, last night, or maybe it was this morning at, like, 6 a.m. when I woke up. But, like, I hit a section of Twitter where it was, like, even people I like and respect, like, Joe Goodberry. Goodberry. Yeah, like, yep. It's like, I, you know, I'm seeing this Bengals fan, you know, this Bengals beat writer, blah, blah, blah. Like, they gave the game to Patrick Mahomes. This is bullshit two years in a row, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, fuck off. Who can, like, you don't have a fucking, like, you don't have a hand in this game. You got eliminated last round. Take your fucking blood pressure medication. Joseph it's okay. Asai. If Joseph Asai doesn't push him out of bounds, you guys might have played yesterday. But it, it, that was not the ref's call. The ref didn't decide to push him when he was standing out of bounds. And I like Joseph Asai. I think he's a hell of a young player. It's just 
Players make mistakes. That happens in football. Penalties happen in football. Another one that's worth pointing out that really affected the Eagles, because we're on the whole, and we're right for the record, that the game isn't decided on one play. Go back to the first half. It is 14 to 14-7. The Eagles have all the momentum in the world, and they line up for third and one in that famous quarterback sneak formation they have now that you get Isaac Say a mo. Uh, okay, let me do this again. I have it written down here. I literally wrote down his Salamoa. Freaking- Isn't it like Salamoa? Say a Malo. I have Say it literally Malo. on there here. There it is. There we go. <laughs> there you go, people at home. I have it written out here. The 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 what is it? The phonics. The the phonics. Yeah, it's the pronunciation, but it's like the you guys know what I'm talking about at home. People that know the word, they're just like, this fucking idiot. They're punching their steering wheel right now. (laughs) But anyways, Sam Alowal, it was literally, he does that little twitch on the false start. It goes back. It's third and five and a half instead. And Jalen Hurts, who, mind you, played the game of his life. It is such a shame that he didn't win because that was truly one of the best quarterback performances I've ever seen. And Patrick Mahomes was flawless yesterday, and I don't think he was the best quarterback on the field yesterday. And that's crazy to say, but he fumbles the ball. Nick Bolton picks it up, returns it. It's 14-14. And you cannot convince me that if that play doesn't happen, this game doesn't have a very different result. Well, so so two things. You're you're exactly right. So go all the way back to when you said that this call wasn't the game changer. Yes. The game changer is the Eagles defense disappeared in the second half. The Chiefs scored on every single possession of the second half, and that's the reason the Eagles lost. It, they it, didn't stop them in the first honest. half either, for the record. It was sacks and or it was penalties that screwed the Chiefs. It penalties wasn't and the time people. of possession. They kept the ball yes. away from Patrick Mahomes in the first half. So, so fast forward, right? You said Jalen Hurts played the game of his life. That is an understatement. Jalen Hurts was phenomenal. His only mistake was that fumble. His only mistake on the day was that. And you, you feel bad for him, too, because Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes literally had the same thing happen to them inside the last three weeks in the postseason. The only yeah. difference is, is this one was shittier timing, and I feel yeah. so bad. And and Jalen Hurts, as a runner, this is unbelievable. I, I can't – like, I saw these stats. I couldn't believe it. 15 rushing attempts, most ever in a Super Bowl. 70 yards, most ever – rushing mm. yards, most ever in a Super Bowl. 45 yards after mm-hmm. contact mm-hmm. for a quarterback. 45 yards after contact, most ever in a Super well, Bowl. Well, and here's the fun fact on that, David. How many rushing yards do you think the non-quarterbacks had yesterday? 45 yards. Yeah. He had as like, many yards after contact as the his entire – and we've talked about the rushing by committee all year, and Jalen Hurts did it by himself alone. And, oh, it's, just a it's shame. unbelievable. First down and t- first down or touchdown conversions ten most ever in a Super Bowl yards from runs that's got to be close to most ever like period for yeah. a quarterback yeah yards from runs of ten yards or more fifty three most ever in a Super Bowl first down to touchdown conversion percentage sixty seven percent best ever in a Super Bowl now I understand. You don't get a lot of running quarterbacks in a Super Bowl, but fuck that. That is unbelievable play from a quarterback. He did it all. He, I mean, he was like 90% completion percentage for a while there in the first and second half. He didn't start to lose it a little bit until he started to see drops. 
And and it, I think he, at one point he was literally like 22 of 26 or something. I mean, like it was a when the drops. We thank God you brought up that, so we can even say there were plays that will be forgotten, like the Quez Watkins drop, like the play that goes into as a Devonte Smith drop down towards a ten. Those were balls. I honestly think amazing to say, but I think one of his worst throws of the entire day was the 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 ball to AJ Brown for a touchdown because AJ Brown put on a hezy hay move. For a wide receiver I've never seen before. And that's that's not hyperbolic. I mean, I've never seen it where he's running a deep post and he can tell that the safety has position. So he stops and looks up like he's going to like go up for the ball right there. Has the safety slow up and turn around and then like hits a second gear to go get the ball again. That's the only reason he caught well, I'm that. I'm so Otherwise, happy you brought that up because I forgot about that. I forgot that's about an interception. That. And, and that's the only there. bad throw yeah. I think I remember from him. Yeah, and so I, I'm so happy you brought that up because I was sitting there. Uh, so Zach Youssef was watching me, uh, watching with me at my house, and I watched it happen. And I'm like, I think he meant to do that on purpose. Like, I think that was a real, like, high talent move from AJ Brown. And I, to your point, I'd never seen that before. I'm like, I, I can't tell if that was on purpose, but I think it was. Like, that's so incredibly intelligent. Uh, so high, so high intelligent when the ball's in the air for it's a skill people don't understand, like us sitting around at home, drinking our beer, having whatever we're doing to, the ability to high point a ball, to know where you are at on the field, to know where the opponent is, to know when you have to actually put your hands up because in the NFL, if you put them up fast enough, a DB smart enough to know the ball is there and he's going to knock it out. There's so much skill that goes into being a wide receiver that we kind of just take it for granted. That's why when, when people talk about it for the record, they deserve it. Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase are the best two receivers in the NFL, but AJ Brown has a case for being the best wide receiver in the league too. He has the skills. He has the ability. He's got a case is my point. And well, unbelievable. To continue it, the reason why we might not have seen it before, and and this is going to be for the people at home, like, oh, you didn't mean to do it, right? Like, you know, if that was a real skill, you'd have seen Randy Moss or, or Calvin Johnson do it, right? The difference between, like, a Randy Moss, a T.O., and a Calvin Johnson making a play, like, the only real receiver you could make an argument for would have done it is probably Jerry Rice. But the difference between, like, T.O., Megatron, Randy Moss is it, it those three in that situation – continue to get to the point of the ball and then use their 40 inch vertical to go up and grab it. And you watched Randy Moss literally coin the term. You mossed him because he went up and he could go grab it. T.O. did the same thing. He was physical. Megatron was like 6,000 feet tall, would have done the exact same thing. And you're not going to see like guys are going to test their talents on that. Those guys would test their talents on the jump ball then do what AJ Brown did. That is just a, it's a 10 head move from AJ Brown. I like, I, I can't like when I watched it, I literally, I was like, I think he did that on purpose. That was unreal. Well, and he's a guy too. I've got to look it up. Cause I know I said it last night when I was watching it, my buddies where I was like, AJ Brown, he's been really quiet tonight besides that touchdown. And it, it's a mark to how good he is that quiet for AJ Brown was six catches, 96 yards and a touchdown. And I truly thought he was invisible. That's mm-hmm. how good he is that a quiet day is basically a six catch, a hundred yards and a touchdown. It, it It's honestly, 
I, I feel gutted for the Eagles roster and for Eagles fans, especially Zach Youssef, because I truly wanted them to win for people like him, not for the 99% of scumbags out there that live in Philly. But what sucks is that this was truly one of the best rosters that we've ever seen established. And it's not going to be remembered that way because you have to win Super Bowls to get it. And that sucks. But people like Zach, people that are Eagles fans that watch this team throughout the year, understands there wasn't a weak part of this team. The worst part, uh, I think, the other day was because of that freaking punt. What, uh, Aaron Sipos or Sipos, however you say it? He hits that line drive to Kadarius Toney. And I think that Greg Olson even talked about on the broadcast with Kevin Burkhart. There's never been a punt return for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Kadarius Tony was six yards away. And I want to ask you another question now. So after that punt return, the Chiefs score a touchdown to go up 35 to 27 with about eight minutes left in the game. I had a buddy of mine who's a coach up in Northwest Ohio texting Casey Mock who's another uh, coach down there in the middle of Ohio, about what he would have done where you have Patrick Mahomes and you're up eight. Do you consider going for two, or excuse me, I screwed that up. They were up seven, and you could have made it a nine-point game to effectively ice the game with Patrick Mahomes. What do you feel about that kind of new school analytics? Do you agree? Would you have gone for two to make it a two-possession game with Mahomes, or... Do you like the security of eight points? Mm. Dude, it's hard. I, I've waffled I usually, like eight times. I usually side with analytics. I usually side with analytics. I don't think you go for two in that moment. What happens if you don't get it? I completely agree with you because let's say you don't get it to your point. What's to stop Philadelphia who has dominated the clock in this game? From holding on to the ball for the last seven and a half minutes of this game, scoring and going for two themselves to win the game, I would rather have the security of knowing for sure Patrick Mahomes will get the ball one more time on a drive and not a single play. That makes me think, yeah, I will trust my defense if it doesn't work, and it didn't. Octopus season, no problem, guys. You're welcome. But I do think... I do think that there's something to be said where the added plays of Mahomes is your, I think, probably better option. I don't know. That's my thought on that. No, I'm with you. Here's why I'm with you. And and I'm going to go into Pat Mahomes stats because I found this very interesting. And because why not? We're just shooting the shit and we're going back and forth. Why not bring this up? First half. You have to be scared Mahomes. now. I was going to say no. the way you were saying that. You are worrying me. No, no, no. So, so. I, I wasn't going to find a time to fit this in unless we were talking about giving Pat Mahomes another possession, and here's why you do it, right? In in last week's pod, I said Mahomes and Kelsey had to be perfect along with some other things to happen. They were. But in the second half, Mahomes was quite literally perfect. So in the first half, 8 for 13, 89 yards, a touchdown, 67% adjusted completion percentage when you get rid of, like, the drops or uh, whatnot. Um, and he had a, a .177 EPA per dropback. Second half, 13 of 14, 93 yards, two touchdowns, 
100% adjusted completion percentage. Well, I was going to say, do you remember the, the incompletion? Mm-hmm. It was the merry-go-round play where he had a tackle eligible. Like, that is yep. what it took for him to throw an incompletion. Yep. His EPA per dropback was 0.639. I, I mean, he like he he quadrupled his efficiency in the second half. He was perfect. He was as perfect as perfect gets in the second half. And that's why you give him as many possessions as possible. And well, and here's the thing too, because there's a lot of people out there, and it happened in the moment. And I got grossed out because I had that group of people I'm listening with, and people are doing the when Mahomes gets hurt, and in the first half on his ankle again, they're like, "Oh, he's already milking it. He he wants to have an excuse." I'm like, "Do you watch Patrick Mahomes? Do you watch the NFL?" These guys are competitive for 20 games a year, and this is the first half where they're down seven. Patrick Mahomes isn't trying to milk anything. He wants to win. I hate the Chiefs with my entire heart. No, that is, I don't think people understand what high ankle sprains are. It's one of the only worthless things Misery. in my life. It's, it's hell. It's hell. And you get hurt by walking. Like you be aggravated by moving the wrong way. And oh, and hey, by the way, the best athletes lineman? in the world take like eight weeks to recover from them. So like. Amen. And there's 300 pound men falling on it. They're not milking it. So yeah, when he was limping off, when he looked at he was in pain, I'm not an idiot for believing he was. He was hurting. And the fact that he was able to do 13 of 14, I know under 100 yards, but he, that is the growth too. 13 of 14, 90, whatever yards and a touchdown in the second half. That is growth. What did we see a few years ago when they played the Bucs in the Super Bowl? He wanted to win the game on every play. He has gotten to the intelligence level, the football IQ level, that he understands there are times that you dump it down. You let the guy make a move, and you live to fight another down. And I, I hate this Chiefs team, but I can't help but love Patrick Mahomes. Who wouldn't want to play for a quarterback like this that guts it out the way he does? Like, give me a break. All right, we are back. So, David, let's go now, and let's talk about what happened at the end of the first half. So, I didn't see it live. You didn't either. But Nick Sirianni looked like he gestured at the Kansas City sideline with about 50 seconds left during the review of the Devontae Smith catch, which we'll have to talk about here in a second as well. What did you make of that? Because Jalen Hurts very clearly is like, dude, don't do that. Chill out. Do you think that he could have been like flipping him off, or was it just like, a, hey, bring it on? What do you what, like? What did you think about that? So I did until I just read that apparently he was waving towards the Chiefs' defense to get back down on that side of the field, like in a cocky kind of. But like, it's gonna stand. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be yeah. a catch. Yeah. So like I, I that was apparently it was just like a cocky like come on back come on back but like it doesn't every video I watch it looks like he's flicking him off so like I totally like and the if camera, there's one coach in the NFL that would have flipped off the other team it definitely would have been Nick Sirianni yeah I I it looks like that deep down I kind of wanted it to be that <laughs> but uh no I, it definitely from what I'm reading it's like a, it was a wave like get back. You know, get back down here. Call is going to be in our favor. Like, you know, and uh, which is funny because then Jalen Hurts is like, buddy, stop. Well, and what's frustrating, too, is that now like it's a talking point year after year. But fans don't know what a catch is. 
I do actually think that they got this one right by the way they've been calling it forever. It sucks because that was such a big drive. And I'm happy that we actually have a chance to talk about this because it leads me into one of my big takeaways of the game and that Andy Reid, it was a masterclass job as we're used to seeing in anything. Like ignore the Kyle Shanahan part of this because you and I, we know where we stand on that. Throw him out. He doesn't exist right now. Andy Reid and Bill Belichick are, to me, much closer than they'll ever be given credit for. And maybe maybe it will change because they both have coached arguably the most talented or at least the best quarterbacks ever. But Andy Reid took that Philadelphia franchise to the NFC Championship game four times, then goes to another team, and with Alex Smith, mind you, had them being perennial contenders yet again. And now with Patrick Mahomes, they're a fixture. They've been one of the final four teams in each of the last five years. Andy Reid, to me, should be talked about in the conversation with greatest head coaches of all time. Well, here's the thing. If he stays with Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't retire for five to ten more years. There's a very real debate that he'll get the Super Bowls to put him in that conversation without the argument. There's going to be, I'm willing to bet 20 years from now, or 20 years after Andy Reid retires, maybe even 20 years from now, who knows? We're going to forget that Andy Reid is probably the greatest quarterbacks head coach to ever live. I say that because he has turned not bad quarterbacks into phenomenal players. But Donovan McNabb was was not a elite quarterback. He was and a I'm, very, I'm very coming on to that side. The more we watch him, he's coach. a very good quarterback. He was not an elite quarterback. Alex Smith was a very good quarterback. Nowhere near an elite quarterback. Made Alex Smith look unbelievable in Kansas City. Michael Vick was never ever seen as a pocket passer until he got to Andy Reid. And had he looked like the best quarterback of all time yeah. for a season. Yes, he looked unfucking believable. He does this with every quarterback he touches. There is a a you know for some like Mike Vick, it's a flash in the pan. You look like you've never seen this guy before. He's unbelievable. You know, was it Nick Foles that he was with first too when they made him look? Great? I couldn't remember if it was Nick Foles or someone else, but the, someone had like a thirty-four and two season or something that was like Nick that. Foles, I think with with I think it was with Andy Reid. It might have been, but that's the point: is that yeah. you can point to like a, a half a dozen quarterbacks he's made play at this level. Right, and so you get him with now an elite quarterback, and again, I without Andy Reid, I still think Patrick Mahomes is talent-wise, the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. But, like, Andy Reid's pushing him into we're not going to lose – we're not going to miss the playoffs. We're going to be the one seed in the AFC every year. Like, I'm pretty confident in betting on the Chiefs as the one seed in the AFC every year. There's not really a doubt in anyone's mind that the Chiefs are going to be a, a title contender. Wait, what do you and mean? No Travis Kelsey told me that nobody believed in this team. Oh, fuck, don't get me fucking started on that. Wait, garbage. what do you mean? It, that's a, it, that's a, yeah. What? It's like but, Georgia. Didn't, didn't you hear Georgia was supposed to go six and six or seven and five this year yeah. and won it all? Yeah. Good teams giving the whole nobody believed in us bullshit is outrageous. I will give Travis Kelsey 
the dunk on Cincinnati's mayor at the end of the AFC championship. Yeah, which was completely deserved. Fully deserved. Fully deserved. Say at the end of the game, be like, nobody believed it. I was like, dude, fuck off. Yeah, Everyone's he's pointing at the you. camera. He goes, yeah. none of you thought we could do it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure like on our show, we have three people that all had them in the AFC championship game at the worst. Yeah. Like, like this is, <laughs> let's, let's cool it on that. Nobody believed in us talk. Like the only people who can claim that are people who are in the playoffs for the first time in like six years who literally. Yeah, it's not, it, you know, that stupid saying, it's like the, uh, like the old expression, it's like, do you know what porn is? It's like, no, but I'll, I'll know it when I see it. It's yeah. the same thing where when a team that deserves to say no one believes in us, we might know off the top of our head, but you'll know when that team wins that nobody believed in them. 100%. But yeah, that, that gets me, oh God, that gets my blood boiling too. But no, I just to go back, like, Andy, yeah, I know I took us on a tangent there. No, it's, fine. it's fine. Andy Reid is without a doubt, a, a you know, without a doubt a top 10 coach of all time you could probably make the case for much higher but in order to make that case you probably need a couple more super bowls to like really solidify it well and you and i are also we're a lot more i feel like in touch with understanding that we're not going to pretend that we saw tom landry coach or vince lombardi so like it's hard for us to like talk about those guys in the same kind of way that people that watch them but for people that we've grown up with, like strictly from like the '90s on, he's a top three coach. Like, oh, absolutely! He's I don't even phenomenal. Know who who are you throwing out? It, who's the third outside of Belichick and Andy Reid? Because I don't know if there's a guy. It was just a safe number. You know how you go right. one, three, five. But I, but, I yeah. think about. It, I'm like, I don't know if there's a guy in my memory, and there probably is, and I'm gonna feel like an idiot after we end this pod and think about it, but. I don't know if there's a guy who's had as much consistent success as those two in our lifetime. Would you, I mean, if we count Bill Parcells, uh, he's on that uh, that's a good the one. edge. That, it's on the edge of our yeah. like age. That's a good one. That's a good one. Who else other than him though, in that era that's had like 10 plus years, multiple either teams or quarterbacks or whatever. And it won't, this is, a testament to how highly we think of Andy Reid that right. when I put guys like Marty Schottenheimer behind him is not a shot at Marty. It's a, that is just how high I think Andy Reid deserves to be. Cause Marty was one of those guys. It's like, Dan, I really wish that a guy like him could have got the ring he deserved, but, oh, yeah. but it's just like, he, I love Marty. Yeah. Well, he's Marty is kind of a Dan Marino coach where like, he just doesn't have that ring that really mm-hmm. could have just like stamped like, Hey, this guy belongs in this stop. But I mean, that's just what we are as sports fans. Everything comes down to championships, which is fair or not fair. It's up to you. But the reason I brought up Andy Reid and I wanted to ask you about it is because when Nick Sirianni does the gesture, come on down here. Reason I brought that up. The Eagles at this point in the game, are up 21 to 7 in offensive points. Yeah, the it's 21 to 14 at this point because the Chiefs got Nick Bolton's score. But if the Eagles go up by 14, it feels a lot closer to game over than 10 points. And there were a couple plays there that really stuck with me. Yeah, the Devontae Smith drop, because you would have been down there inside the 15, of course. But you have two timeouts with 50 seconds left. 
and you have a play. You run a play right after the Devontae Smith, or I want to say it was like an eight or a 10-yard completion, and they didn't immediately call timeout. It wasn't even a completion. I think it was a quarterback sneak. It was like a yeah. third and one. Let's just sneak, get the first down. They didn't call timeout, ran on subs, and it was a 25-30 second play where all of a sudden now you have 40 yards in 25-30 seconds instead of 50 seconds, one timeout and 40 yards. And that was a play where I'm like, Andy Reid calls timeout there. The Chiefs find a way to at least give themselves a chance to score a touchdown. And even later on that drive, there's what, 12, 13 seconds at the 20? And they throw a drag route where the guy gets tackled and they have to wait until four seconds and kick the time or uh, call timeout, kick the field goal. Where good teams are either throwing that ball inside the 10 so you can take a couple shots at the end zone or you start taking shots at the end zone. It's just. Sirianni, I love him. He embodies Philly well. I think he's a lot better coach than people out there. He's kind of turned into like a popular person to hate and say he's been carried, and I don't believe that. But with that being said, he was outclassed in this game, and Andy Reid got the better of him. And I think not only in that moment, damn it, David, I keep rambling, but one other one too. They're up 24 to 21. On the first drive of the second half, and the Chiefs just scored, and they have all the momentum now, and they decide to, to kick a field goal on fourth and five at the 20, where all season long, this is a Philadelphia team that goes for it there and says, honestly, if we don't get it, we can live with that. We trust our defense. Instead, they kick a field goal, and they never trail or they never lead the rest of the game after the next play. It's just, again, Andy Reid, master class. Nick Sirianni, I think a hell of a coach. He just punched above his weight class this time. Yep, no, you're 100%. It's an Andy Reid master class, and, and we knew we were going to get it going in. It's just could could the Eagles overcome that? And, and I think what we were really thinking is the Eagles trenches, and we said it on the last pod, but I, I thought the Eagles trench players were going to dominate both sides of the football so badly that the chiefs were never going to have a chance because they were never going to be able to either get the time to throw or they were never going to get any kind of pressure on Hertz. And what happened was is the chiefs trench players, especially the offensive line did things that I never thought that they were capable of, which is holding the D Eagles D line to zero sacks. I believe that's fucking magic. That is unbelievable. This defensive line is one of statistically one of the best in history at rushing the quarterback. I mean, to 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 hold them to zero sacks after what the third most sacks by a team in history all year is unreal. That is that is unbelievably amazing for the Chiefs offensive line. But on the flip side, their defensive line. They only got one or two sacks, but they were getting pressure in the backfield on runs. They were blowing up run plays, not often, but two point six yards per carry. The Eagles yeah. had not not often, but they were blowing up like some of the Jalen Hurts runs. Like it, it, here's the six yards per carry thing. Jalen Hurts either got blown up in the backfield or he got eighteen yards on a run. I, sh- I like, should be clear: two point six for running backs is what I meant. Right, two point six for running backs. Like you're you're. They were blowing up plays in the backfield again, not often, 
but enough to kind of like kill some of the momentum. And again, just impressive because the Eagles offensive line is probably the best in football. I don't even, I, there's even another offensive line I'd make an argument for. This is the closest one. The Chiefs would be the closest. And I still think there's a decent gap. Yeah. So like, I just think that, you know, I think my fascination with the Eagles trench players got to the point where I maybe overvalued them a lot, even though they fully deserved it. I overvalued them a lot in this game and thought it was going to be further away than, than it was. Um, I just, that Chiefs offensive line, man, that impressed me so much. Zero sacks to that defensive line. I and did not Eagles, think that was possible. The Eagles blitzed thirty three percent of the time. I think I saw that it was the highest all year that they sent a blitz rate. I mean, they couldn't get pressure. They couldn't, couldn't get, get pressure. pressure. So they blitzed. Well, and that's where it goes back to Andy Reid and how brilliant of a play caller he is. The fourth quarter touchdowns. There wasn't a defender between you and I. You're recording in Cleveland. I'm in Pittsburgh. There were people closer to us than there were to that wide receiver in both of those instances. And it was because I saw Warren Sharp, brilliant, brilliant Dude. tweet and breakdown. Did you see it? Andy, Andy Reed masterclass. They were overplaying the motions because they yes. were, they, they showed the blitz and then they stopped the motion, kick it back out wide open because the linebacker overplayed it, worried he wasn't going to be able to cover one-on-one -on -one. just fucking master class master class well and that's where it goes back to like yeah patrick mahomes wins the mvp and good credit to him because he talked about not only his league mvp but like super bowl mvp that is a team award and i agree because like this was an instance where the best two passes that patrick mahomes threw on super bowl sunday were the first two passes he threw all game the travis kelsey 20 yarder over the middle and 18 yarder for the touchdown the first drive after that there weren't people even the same zip code of the receivers he was throwing to. He ended up with under 200 yards. The MVP of this game should have gone to the entire offensive line. It should have gone to Andy Reid. And that is not a knock on Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes did what he was supposed to do with what a good football team prepares for. And, I mean, dude, this was just – going back to, for a second, the Eagles' pass rush. What it kind of gives me in hindsight, because I was like you, I'm in love. And for the record, I still am. I think the Eagles are going to be a very, very good team for a very, very long time. The way their mentality is, the way their roster is, the way they approach the game. I really, really like the, the future they have. But it felt like that pass rush, it was like uh, one of those superhero groups. Like you have Justice League, whether you have the Avengers, but you're missing the Batman, you're missing the Superman. You just have a bunch of really good edge rushers and pass rushers. You don't have a Nick Bosa. You don't have a, uh, I guess, uh, Max Crosby. You don't have a Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, stuff like that where Hassan Reddick, I was in love with him going into this game and he was completely taken away. And the only thing I could say, and this is an excuse, so I don't want to make excuses, especially since the team isn't. But when we watched the Bengals-Bills game in Buffalo this year, we talked about the footing being an issue and that it helps offensive line versus the edge rushers. 
with the way the turf was in this game, there's no, there's not an accident that there was one sack between the two teams that led the league in sacks. And the sack, mind you, was Jalen Hurts running out of bounds for a one-yard loss. There were no true sacks. So it's something to at least put in the, the tickler filer for the future, David. Last thing before we go, we had prop bets. So we have to talk about that. And Steven is not here, so he doesn't get to talk about an all-timer, David. <laughs> Plus 15,000 odds. As in, for you new betters at home, you put $100 on it, you win $15,000. He had Travis Kelsey, Kadarius Toney, A.J. Brown, Kenneth Gainwell, anytime touchdown scorer with Kenneth Gainwell over 19 and a half yards. All of those hit, and that's actually true. All of those did hit for at least 60 seconds. Because then they reviewed the Kenneth Gainwell touchdown on the opening drive, and Jalen Hurts ended up punching it in from the one-foot line. So, regrettably for Steven and his betters, that's a loser. David, we go to you then, and let's look at yours. How did you do? Can you give us an idea of how your picks went? Not well. The part, my little crazy parlay failed badly. You drove uh, me over, I, though. You, 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 you called I did. me over. I, I hit the over. Um, and I hit the over and Kelsey and Hurts scoring uh, anytime touchdowns. And I actually made another bet I almost hit on, which is still a loss, I get. But I bet on Hurts, Kelsey, both scoring two touchdowns and the over. And if Kelsey had scored again, I would have won like 200 and some odd dollars on that one. I, I don't think I won many. I took like an in-game bet. I took... The Chiefs when God, at what point was it? I think I took the took the Chiefs like plus one thirty or something at one point, just as like a safety valve uh on the money line and won that one. That's a I smart move. I'm not a guy that likes to uh, you're new to this. Do you do the cash outs like some people do? I can't only, do it. Only before the game if I'm really like if I'm like that was a mistake. Okay, like, that's fair. If you're like, I was wrong, I would have done it the other way. Yeah. It's the people that are, well, I won my first four legs of the bet. Nope. Well, then why did you put it in? If you nope. didn't think all five would hit. Out on that. Not unless the bet not unless the bet is the difference between like zero, $250,000 cash out and like a million winning, right? Like if, if we're talking about that big of money, I'd cash out. As like, soon as a comma comes into play, all yeah. bets are off, but before right. that, like, come on, but yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm not fucking cashing out before that. But uh, no, I, I want to bet on uh, Travis Kelsey, AJ Brown, both 50 plus receiving yards each. I don't know, I didn't win a whole lot <laughs> because of uh, I, I was so favoring the Eagles, but I didn't win a whole lot other than those. I, you and me both, buddy, that's that's yeah. kind of tough for us. Yeah, but I would like to say that that Steven is now the new jinx. Because the minute that motherfucker put into the air that a league MVP hasn't won a Super Bowl in God knows how many decades he I'm actually there. worried that that was me who said that. Was that you who said that? I'm, I I'm pretty sure that's my fault. I, I, think I, I blame Steven. And I also... I appreciate that. I also think it's historically hilarious that the Chiefs... A Chiefs game has fucked over Steven from winning hundreds of dollars in two consecutive like game weeks well you were a listener david last year do you remember we had a bet 
going into the divisional round where the Bills played the Chiefs, and we decided that he was diehard. He was going Bills money line. I was going Chiefs money line. And the loser was going to have to watch the first rivalry matchup this year with the jersey that the winner could choose for them. He lost because the Chiefs won a historic fashion. I want him to wear a Robbie Gold Chicago Bear or San Francisco jersey for the first Packers-Bears matchup. And all of a sudden, I haven't heard a word about it. So it's something we'll have to remember going into next year. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, like, we're talking about bets, like paying off. I had impossible whoppers for a week because of the Chiefs. So, no, <laughs> absolutely not. I will remember it, too. But I have to tell you, David, this is – I've not been able to pat myself on the back. If you guys have been following this on the season, I have had a year from hell for me. Just missing left and right in close games. I had the prop bet bets of my life for the Super Bowl. Naturally drilled heads or tails. It's always tails. Never doubt it. I did miss on MVP because I had any position but quarterback because I thought we were going to get some pass rush in this game. That didn't happen. However, this is where things get fun, David. I had Jalen Hurts' first touchdown score plus 900. That's 100 bucks for 900. You're welcome. You also have... An octopus. The guy drills an octopus for plus 1,300. And here's the thing, David. Who did I say was going to be the prime candidate for an octopus? But Jalen Hurts. I felt it coming. I hit it. I wish I could have elevated the plus 1,300 odds for even more for calling the individual player. So hopefully, given the way you and I ended next year, which we will have a trophy for Steven, mind you, next year, you and I, we have to make sure it's one of us talking about the Super Bowl recap with the trophy in our room. But that will bring us to the end of another episode of Lost Down. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and our Twitter at down underscore loss. Remember, this episode was brought to you by tabbies.com and Abby Turner Creative. David, what are your parting words for the people to end the 2022 2023 NFL season. It's been a good one. It's been a good one. But here, but look forward to the offseason where I'm going to try and convince Steven and Wally to let me mock draft the Lions, the Jets, and the Browns on a podcast. That's <laughs> going to be a lot of fun with draft season this year. It's been such a pleasure to have David on as a full time host this year because now this is the time of year that him and I are going to really evolve because steven doesn't care about the draft we can't explain to people like packer fans what fans of the raiders and browns feel about the draft this is the beacon of hope this is the light tower you sail through the hard waves night after night we're looking for it's mm -hmm. the draft it's free agency it's the idea of hope we don't have hope but we'll talk ourselves into it we have ourselves artificial hope but the last thing i have to say is this it always reminds me of this at the end of every year, but Finding Nemo, we've all seen it. The last scene where the fish finally get over and get out of the dentist office and are into the ocean in those bags. And they're all like, ha ha, we made it. Season's over. Now what? Like, then I, <laughs> we're, we're at that point, David. It, it's yes, officially, we are. what do we do now? So... 
We love you guys at home. We appreciate all the support you give to us. Congratulations to the few Chiefs fans that will ever listen to a podcast where David and I are talking about you. But beyond that, love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And hopefully next year we get a happier uh, Super Bowl recap. 